Welcome back to the Returning to Oneself podcast. I am Mish. I'm Emma. And every two weeks, us, a special guest, will help you to understand how and why you are abandoning yourself. So if you are someone that lacks self-confidence, feels stuck hating their body, and is constantly striving to change yourself into a smaller version, whether that be physically and or emotionally, this podcast is for you. With our and our guests' experience and expertise, not only will you be reminded that you are not alone in this struggle, but there is hope that you can go from disconnected from yourself and your body to being reconnected. Stick with us as we teach you how you can return to yourself and finally reach a place where you are at peace with yourself, your life and your body. Well, hello and welcome back to another episode. And this week, please welcome our guest, Dee, a self-love coach who supports people in finding alignment on their journey to self-discovery with qualifications in coaching and an MSc in occupational psychology. Dee's focus on self-love, femininity, self-awareness and self-trust has bridged the gap for many of her clients who have felt confused and lost on their journey and helps them to grow into courageous women who are ready to awaken and create positive changes in their lives. Well, welcome Dee. We always ask two questions that we haven't allowed you to prepare for. So we would love to know two interesting facts about you. And if you were a cartoon character, who would you be and why? I would say the first one is that I'm from a family of 10, so quite a big family. And the second one, it's interesting, but also for other people is annoying. I have so many allergies. I'm allergic to nut, egg, fish, certain cheeses, apples, beans, haricot beans, uh, kidney beans, right? The list goes on. So I'm like an allergy queen. <laughs> so like on the plane, nut, girl, yeah, that's me. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> struggle with food sometimes, especially when going to different cultures and wanting to risk it but can't. And cartoon character, and it feels like it's been such a long time since I've watched a cartoon. But one of my favorite cartoons was, of course, Powerpuff Girl. And like growing up with my sisters, we would all select who we are. And I happened to want to be Buttercup. But now that I'm older, I would choose Bubbles because she was like this sweet one, the cute one, but very courageous. And it's like having that hidden power because her cuteness kind of hid it yeah i'll go for bubbles <laughs> amazing and we've had one other person say one other person say powerpuff girl so i remember watching it i want to start with a question directed at you you work with women who want to reclaim their power or their being true self and so what does this mean for you and how do you relate to self-abandonment because the women that you work with are coming from a place of self-abandonment. So what is your experience? Begin with, I would say my experience of self-abandonment has been failing to honor my need and to know what it is that I want in life, not serving myself. It, especially when I use reclaiming, it's a sense that I've lost myself and I'm trying to figure out how to find home within. And once I've done that, I'm reclaiming the foundations and the layers that exist within me to actually allow me to who I'm supposed to be. I think I've lost myself or avoided, abandoned myself in relationship, both romantically and with friends. It's the, that elemental that I aspect of me that probably has people pleased in the past and letting myself go because I've not had that self-awareness or that self-trust wanting someone else's opinions wanting someone else to validate me and validate what I should be doing and 
that just came from a place of me not having this confidence, not having this power, not having this self-judgment where I can be like, Dows, D, you know what you're doing, back yourself and so forth. And I think in life, when there's so many different opinions and ways in which people are living, though, that has probably also influenced my inability to know who I am because you see a trend where you see that other people are doing a certain thing. And I'm like, okay, maybe that's something that I need to do. Especially when you're a bit younger and way more impressionable. I think because we're all figuring it out, I was figuring it out the wrong way. And that's what made me like lose touch with myself. So then bringing it back with the women who have worked with, they also identify a relationship is the thing that broke their relationship with themselves. They lost themselves because they were too busy putting someone else's needs first. They were too busy being responsible for someone else. They didn't make any time for themselves. And um, I think... It's just knowing that you're now rejecting your thought, your own feelings, your own needs. And the moment you realize that is the moment then you're like, you know, I need, I need to reclaim this in a, in a standing, I like to say, to trust my feelings, trust my judgment and honor my own needs. I really love that vision of the reclaiming of the home within. And I guess it's, I can really have this image of, you know, when you're growing up of people say, you know, you should have your house this way and you should decorate it this way. And actually, no, don't live there. You should live here. It's And you're just kind of trying to find what feels comfortable for you but it's just so much external information opinions for me it always comes back to well what made us not be okay with the home that we have in the first place right and what made us come out of our home and try and gather all this information from other people of what we should do with it and I think it's always once you can start to look at that and understand that you then know okay well I now know how to get back inside and be able to do my own work because I don't need other people's feedback to be able to know what to do. I like when you use that idea of decorating as well. Everyone's just like a visitor, whoever they're staying for a weekend, they're coming around for dinner, they might comment, oh, your table looks nice, or oh, your decor looks nice, and so forth. But then applying that externally to who you are, like taking it out outside of the house, they could be commenting on your appearance, commenting on what you do for work, commenting on your partner, like just having those passing judgments where you're like, oh my gosh, am I living for them or am I living? for myself am I making my home comfortable for them or am I making it comfortable for myself so yeah it's, it's that imbalance where you're wanting to do the right thing for you but then like you said the external chatter is just a little bit too loud absolutely the one point that you said really connected with me you were explaining how you were figuring things out the wrong way would you say did you ever struggle with self-blame because you were figuring out things the wrong way and was there a point of realizing that maybe it wasn't the wrong way but it might, maybe it was the only way that you knew at that time well, what i like to say now especially with time is that just to give myself a bit of grace it's probably just not right now like it's not right now for me to have the answers it's not right now for me to get it right so it's just like okay it's not right now so let's go back to the drawing board and figure it out and I wouldn't say there was a lot of self-blame I feel like there was frustration like self-frustration and that was because I wasn't gaining the clarity that I, I wanted to get. I wasn't getting the results that I needed to get. And just to elaborate, that result would have been or would have felt like that feeling of peace that I now feel now, that feeling of confidence that I now have with myself, that feeling of self-trust that I have with myself because beforehand there was a lot of frustration like oh my gosh why can't I just trust myself to make this right decision why do I need to keep going to this person why does this person's opinion matter to me just worrying about too much that weren't serving my highest self so I would say there was just this internal conflict with me knowing the right thing for me to do but not acting on it 
And then because I wasn't acting on it before, I'd probably be like, this isn't for me. But now I'm like, okay, it's not for me because I'm not ready for it. I'm not ready for it because there's still some work for me to do. And I'll acknowledge that there is some work for me to do. So it's okay, okay, what is that work now? And now because I'm so thankful that there's so much more resources for me to get, gain that health now that I know the desired results, or whether it's confidence, whether it's how to engage in my femininity and so forth. I'm so thankful with the age that we live in today where you've got access to so much resources, podcasts like yourself, great, or doing this work that can help support me. So it's like, okay, cool. take it step by step and not trying to fix every single part of me. Because sometimes you do want to see results straight away, like over a day, you want to like read an entire self-help book or something and apply it to your life and expect to see results the next day. So it's just giving myself breaks and like, not right now, but it's coming. There was one thing that you said there of like the searching for the peace. Mm-hmm. I think that's so powerful. And I'm just wondering, do you feel like you've always had that sense of awareness of what is your piece and what isn't? And therefore you were able to kind of start to feel like this is not quite right for me. This is not quite right. And I ask this because I think a lot of us don't realize that there is this kind of underlying sense of dissatisfaction or basically no peace. Because we've either lived like this for so long that we don't know there's a contrast. And some people just don't even realize that for years and years and years. It sounds like you've been able to kind of either or always know this or discovered this relatively soon in terms of what your piece feels like and therefore closer towards what it looks like for you it's a bit of both I feel like I've always knew but I never knew what it would feel like and now that I know what it feels like life is even better so for me I know that I had a have an overreactive, worrying, anxious brain. Everything for me was all of thought and I had a really big problem with not surrendering. There was like a controlling aspect of me. So when I worked on myself, it was the case of learning how to control the internal chatter. So meditation helped me a lot with that. Journaling helped me a lot with that just to like get my thoughts out of my mind and rationalize them where I need to or just like be done with them. Meditation helped just to start my day without worrying and to bed easy because I used to struggle with sleeping a lot. I had like some insomnia patterns and that's because I wasn't nurturing myself with good sleep hygiene. But the peace came to me when I realized I started to implement that in habits and behavior. So I'd be like improving the sleep hygiene, doing the things like journaling and meditating. Like I knew that there were certain things that I needed to do in order to improve the parts of me that I wasn't happy with or the parts of me that were causing too much drain and like negativity in my life like it wasn't healthy for me to operate how I once was and now peace for me is definitely a priority and I really value it and I like to ensure that it's a value throughout every aspect of my life and I mean that in the sense of peace with my relationships peace at work where I go whether it's traveling whether it's activity like I don't want to feel too overwhelmed with life when I was wasn't peaceful I was overwhelmed when you begin to kind of detach a little bit from what's going on up in that in that head of yours where you go from giving it way too much power way too much time and space to just being a little bit more detached from it and you can kind of pick and choose what information you you take from it but we're really curious about how the women around you whether it's clients friends how do they reject parts of themselves you have this great sense of awareness but is it something that they're aware of i would say to begin the journey yes you're aware that there's something you need to work on 
and you might be aware that there is something that you are rejecting or probably like yourself, how you mentioned with clients, how they come to you to work on this certain area of their life, the uncovering of even more issues that you then have to address and work on comes to light. So I think with the women, when they're rejecting themselves, they fail to start right here where they are right now. A lot of them come to me because their journey has to always, based off someone else, it's based on how someone's treated them, what has happened to them, um, an experience that has been quite traumatic in that sense. They always start off with, like, I am this way because of this. And because they've always operated in life with that mentality it's been hard for them to you know accept and acknowledge that you know they don't have to always be this way so it's the case of like they're saying there's a need to fix a certain aspect of themselves but make sure that they're doing it for them and not for someone else oh i'm doing this because well, i'm going to work with you and help and you're going to help me improve my confidence so that i can start dating i have had a client where they wanted to improve their dating life but i was like well, what is this going to do for you? You're going to go into a new relationship as a new person, but maybe that now that you're start searching for a relationship, your type changes, but you haven't explored that part of yourself yet. I think when with women as well, they are willing to sacrifice their own happiness for others. So it's doing things that they don't necessarily enjoy, that don't necessarily serve them. Again, going back into that people-pleasing aspect and just getting lost in the whole idea of they need to be doing this because every other woman is doing it or because my mother's doing it. Like there's whole generations of habits, patterns and behaviours that we try to keep up with. But like in this new age, we should be happy and open to exploring the depths of our femininity in more ways than ever possible. A big factor, like you said, the whole conversation is definitely down to self-abandonment, ignoring how we think, ignoring what's best for us. And that's just a product of, like I said, lack of self-trust and lack of self-awareness for sure. This is one thing that Mish and I are so passionate about is that there is this identity somewhere that they are broken in some way, that there's something that needs to be fixed. But actually, as women do the work, they'll soon learn, actually, there's nothing broken. Yeah. Nothing needs fixing. It's just you have learned to survive is to self-abandon and that has become normal for you and you no longer want to live in that way and so it's when you can let go of that identity of there's something broken about you there's something to be fixed compassion could come through because there's an understanding of self there's an awareness of self and kindness can come through and i think it's that's you know why the work that we all do here is so powerful because there are many women who have held on to that identity of brokenness of needing fixing for so long and it's just it's not serving them anymore it doesn't allow for actual growth at all what i do with some clients we have a goal through three parts of ourselves so it's operating from the inner critic the criticizer and your compassionate observer some women find it so hard to speak to them from a loving nurturing place which is interesting because that's like a component or a trait that is linked to the whole aspect of womanhood and being a female and then it's interesting that they can detail so many harsh words and negative factors from their inner critic and the criticizer. But when I say, okay, challenge it with your compassionate observer, what would your compassionate observer say to your inner critic in this moment? How can you bring your compassionate observer into life without me, like when we're no longer working together? They realize, you know what? 
there's no point in like beating themselves up about certain things with a negative tone and that the compassionate observer will always win eventually but yes I agree that inner critic is necessary sometimes because you might be doing something where you need to call yourself out on and be realistic but when your inner critic is far too loud and overriding especially like with your ego and so forth you need to hone in on the fact that you deserve to be kind to yourself like why why can't we be kind to others and talk to your best friend as they say with like loads of love and compassion but when it comes to yourself you're ready to just push yourself away and treat yourself like the bottom of the shoe like why do we do that in this world i don't know <laughs> i know that, that's a big question d isn't it it's like that's like the main question in life i, I love that part of this kind of inner critic and the compassionate observer because a lot, a lot of the time that part of us has not been it's not had a voice mm-hmm. we give it to everybody else but there's no voice and i love the fact that you're encouraging those clients to nurture that part of themselves so that when the work with you is, is finished that they can always rely on that part of themselves to show up when we work together always ask them as well what or who does your inner critic sound like because sometimes it's not even themselves sometimes it's a teacher sometimes it's an ex sometimes it's a friend sometimes it's someone who's not even in their life anymore and their thoughts and their tone their words always stick with them like the reason why you're calling yourself on critique this and that or worthy is because of someone else and then that overrides into your adult life and then your compassionate observer just sounds completely different your compassionate observer actually sounds like you so it's very interesting to see many of my clients say oh it's not even my voice that i'm hearing it's this person's voice i'm like is this person in your life are they relevant no why they still have power over you so then it goes back to reclaim yourself reclaim your worth reclaim your voice within like be loud be compassionate your true self without that person anymore but it is a shame that some people still have that hold and that power on you until you address it or address that part of yourself in your healing journey but once you do then you do feel like you know what i've been wasting so many years or months worrying and allowing this person to alter how i feel about myself but now i'm in a better place let me learn how to love me again i like how you said that the self-compassion part sounds like you i use that quite a lot i compare the compassionate self to the most authentic core self where you know when you are being you you know when you feel you and sometimes though what happens is that because of all the conditioning you were talking about we lost touch with that we lost connection with that so we actually don't know when it's us and when we don't know when it's our dad or teacher our ex which is exactly what you said so i really resonated with that and i also feel like you've kind of answered this question already but what do you think that is one way that women are encouraged to live by that actually do not serve them and rather harm them it's quite contradictory to an extent but it depends on how you use it i would say it is this nurturing side of ourselves and i say that because whilst it's great for us to nurture ourselves love ourselves when we aren't doing that we're doing it for someone else that's when it becomes a problem and i want to use the analogy on the airplane right before you fly off the instructions is to put your mask on before putting on someone else's in event of an accident so as women with our nurturing self and when we are selfless i think it will be an 
inevitable thoughts to think, oh my goodness, I need to put on someone else's, I need to help someone else, I need to do this for someone else before I sort out myself. And that's where that's where we fall short because we're constantly ready to leave ourselves behind. And I mean this in other aspects of our life. It could be within our career. We're ready to like put our career behind because I don't know, something else comes into life but we need to take charge. I think that's one part. It's like it's good when we know how to nurture ourselves in the right way but it's bad when we allow other people to take advantage of our nurturing nature our nurturing essence so that's one thing that i'd say that hinders our ability to thrive for sure that's so powerful we bring this up pretty much every episode don't we emma it's such a strong part of our identity that we don't even know how to live without giving and it's okay to give of course but the problem is when we start over giving when we are giving but we're not taking anything back and then anything that is so familiar such a strong habit is very difficult to be even aware of and it's very difficult to see it as a maybe a problem I think because I like how you said it's the giving, giving, giving. Like as a woman, I think I know that I am a giver and I don't mind giving and I don't really ever look. It's so much better when you're in a place, an environment around people where it's reciprocated, where you're giving as much love, effort, trust, companionship, fun, enjoyment in some revival and they're also reciprocating it, where you're creating a safe space for someone, they're always also creating a safe space for you. It's just the case of when it's not reciprocated and it's not in a place of an equal playing field why did we stay there and that's because that nurturing side doesn't know when we're doing too much because it's like oh we need to do more we need to do more in this aspect we need to serve this person and be submissive in this area but we're doing it a fault so it is quite damaging if you aren't aware of who's benefiting too much from your energy i was having a conversation with a friend and the key message was that sometimes some people see your light before yourself so some people see that kindness that pure heart that you have the giving soul that you have and they're willing to abuse it they're willing to take it away from you take away that power from you because you're ready to give it up and then that goes into a whole another conversation about your boundaries about your values about the people who you allow into your life so that's also something to be mindful of Absolutely. And I feel like nurturing, it can be like this kind of double-edged sword. We use it a lot in a way that is self-abandoning where we use it to kind of prove our self-worth. There's definitely been moments I've used my nurturing as a way of self-abandoning, didn't know I was self-abandoning, but almost to have power over other people, mm. to kind of seek reassurance in a relationship. I give, give, give. It's almost gives me reassurance that this person is still going to want to how could they not? You know, I'm so giving, I'm so loving, I'm so thoughtful. And so it's like a way of like also trying to have power over the other person. It's a way of going, well, I did this for you. We self-abandon, but also we can also use it as something to kind of hold over people or for us to seek reassurance in where it doesn't really serve us. And it's learning to understand that this nurturing aspect is something that, yes, might come naturally to us, but we also get to choose where we put that and that when we don't put it somewhere or we put a boundary around it or we don't or we say no to giving it is that that doesn't change the fact that we are a nurturing person if that's what i want to identify as yeah. doesn't take away from my self-worth it's interesting you mentioned the word overpowering because what you're describing is a type of manipulation and yeah. the work with i guess you work with a lot of feminine energy right because you've you've talked about it so you probably know that manipulation is a sign of wounded feminine energy as yes. mother wound it's the mother wound, essentially it's interesting how all connects isn't it 
how things that we learn from our parents or caregivers then show up in different ways. And the child comes into fruition as well. Right. Because I also can say the same thing as well. It is a form of manipulation. And it's the case of if you continue to have this expectation that, okay, just because you're doing this for someone else means they have to do it for you. You're going into situations the wrong way. And that's no fault of your own because it's what you have probably witnessed. And now I know you can't expect people to love you how you love, how they want to love you and how they want to show you how they love you is going to be completely different. One thing that my own kind of personal journey of kind of self-acceptance been understanding that there are parts of me that I'm not particularly fond of. And these parts actually in some circumstances are actually really useful and in others are really not. And I think it's really owning those parts and trying to separate that out versus when you're self-abandoning. For me, it's that, okay, maybe sometimes there will be, let's say, the controlling aspect, right? When I've used control is what I would see as a positive light as getting things done and being organized and you know, making sure things get done efficiently or whatever. Whereas in other aspects, it's maybe come from a place of mistrust and actually doesn't serve me particularly well. But then I also know that there's people that have used control in a way that is very manipulative and even nurture has all these different kind of shadows and different sides to it. And it's getting clear on in what way do you want to use those different sides. And it's not doesn't make you a bad person it just you get to kind of choose okay how do I want to most use this aspect of me and there's a strength in noticing and acknowledging that there's different parts of you there's different shadows of you and knowing when they will best serve you absolutely speaking of self-acceptance what according to you is the biggest limitation for self-acceptance how could we collectively influence this I think the biggest limitation of self-acceptance is putting that notion of when. A lot of people would start to accept themselves on the premise of when. So say, for example, I will be happy when I lose X amount of weight or when I stop doing this or wearing certain clothes or look a certain way, I will grow my confidence. It's that, it's that aspect of you're waiting for the end result instead of enjoying the process enjoying the journey you're putting like a stamp at the end that you're waiting for and in the moment you get there you're then going to be wanting even more like i said as you evolve flourish and prosper certain aspects of who you are changes but because you're putting this big stamp on when and this matter of when it's like you have to achieve that angle you have to you owe it to yourself to get to that when so that you can feel or become this way and collectively there's this influence because we see other people do it, I guess. I think not, and not even in like a negative way, but everyone's sharing their journeys of transformation or what has helped them. So then again, you go on to when, like, hey, when I start doing what this woman's doing or what this person has done to see success, I'm going to see success in this aspect of my life. But then you take that away from your own journey of self-acceptance because you're basing your happiness, your success on someone else. That also could just think into seeking external validation, seeking more opinions, seeking people to support you on the journey. Why aren't you trusting yourself? Why aren't you questioning yourself? Why aren't you bringing it back to you? Why are you not asking yourself, what does this mean to me? How is my life going to change? Why am I waking up and doing this or putting these steps in for me? How am I going to feel at the end of this day, of the day? 
I think a lot of people take away the emotional aspect of the journey and just focus on the outcome. And that's because collectively, all we see is people showing the outcome. There are some people who are very open with being vulnerable and sharing their lows and their journey. But for the most part, depending on what it is, everyone's quick to show the wins, show what they've gone through. And yeah, that takes a lot of it away from what's working on self-acceptance. It's like, okay, I'm where I am because I've been able to do this, but no one wants to document the darker days, the harder days. And I think that would help so many people know that this journey will have its highs and lows and it's a roller coaster. It's, I definitely agree with that, with the last part. Do you think though, there is a maybe fine line between doing that authentically and doing that for validation? Um, yeah, I, I would say so. some parts of it would definitely be for validation. So um, say, for example, there's someone who you know might be watching your journey because like you said, at the start of the conversation, you know that someone's watching. There's always going to be someone watching and you might know that they're watching and you want to like prove it to them and you've been able to change your life around which is positive for you what's so crazy in terms of the limitation of self-acceptance of of that premise of when it kind of completely undermines self-acceptance because it's saying that my self-acceptance is conditional and that is not what it's about so i think really the way that i see to help people collectively change their not reaching self-acceptance is actually for them to really understand what self-acceptance is i feel like until i understood what it was i didn't understand it. it was very conditional. This idea of what we see as self-acceptance in social media, for example, is this big breakthrough moment and that they now kind of maintain what their result was. And actually what people probably don't really understand is that the reason why they've got to where they want to get to, why they're able to kind of maintain that or be okay with not maintaining that is this whole acceptance throughout, even when it was difficult. We have talked about all the different ways of how the disconnect shows up and how self-abandonment shows up and what holds us from reaching the self-acceptance. So what are some of the signs, would you say, to look out for when somebody starts getting to the place of self-acceptance and starts improving their relationship with themselves? There's a few things to be fair and I would reflect on my own journey as well. I would say the first thing to look for is their self-confidence and that could be displayed in so many ways, how they carry themselves, how they dress, how they might be presenting themselves online, whether it's showing some more photos of themselves and so forth, like just seeing that they look different. And then I also feel like when you're connected with someone, you'll see their vibe, you'll see that they glow different, you see that their aura is different. And that's something I really value because you you can see that they're operating on like a different frequency they're in a different place headspace mind space and that because of their journey i'd also say you hear how they start to talk to themselves all about themselves as well self-talk really really matters you might have been around someone who unfortunately used to say quite a lot of harsh things to themselves but as they are working on improving their relationship they're in a relationship these days when you meet up they're like i'm so much more happier i'm so much more free there's a lot of love in their words and they're very they're much more kinder to themselves you would see that they're living 
according to new values. They are doing so much more great things and standing by it. A key area as well, I think it's their boundaries. Because if you're improving the relationship with yourself now, there are certain things that you're no longer going to stand and allow and accept. And maybe that could be the people who you want had in your life, the things that people say to you, what you want to engage in you've set a certain tone for this new vibe this new person who you're becoming and that the old mentality the old ways the old values will no longer serve you so it's seen that they're standing firm in that boundary so with the positive talk they're owning their words as well and then i guess in everyday life you'll start to see that who they listen to is different where they go is different what they're reading is different who they're hanging around with and for me personally especially with part of the conversation that we mentioned previously it's the peace that they bring into your life i think when you have a better relationship with yourself you're just much more peaceful you're present there's stillness and you can really see that this person is enjoying their relationship with themselves, they're enjoying who they are, they accept who they are, they are around people who love and appreciate who they are and who they will continue to grow and become. And I think that's just something that we could all be mindful of, especially in the essence that you might not be aware of it, you might not be used to it. I do say to some of my clients, as much as you're making this positive shift for you, don't have that expectation that everyone's going to be welcoming this version of you with open arms not everyone's going to like this new version of you because yes this new version of you is not going to take anything yes this new version of you's got boundaries yes this new version of you knows yourself you know your worth and some people might be like whoa you've changed whoa what's happened to you and that's when they're projecting a little bit they might be like i don't really vibe with what you're into anymore i don't really like how you talk to me or that you did like this and it's like okay cool they're not ready for this new level of you so again that's for you to work on this boundary whether or not you're letting them go whether or not you're lying in your life don't force this new you onto them and then that goes back to the whole part of being peaceful like okay you can be at peace with knowing that you're not for everyone at the moment or the people who you once were involved with they're not ready for you so yeah i think those aspects together with when you're on your personal development journey no one tells you about it but um you have to be ready to let go welcome in be present be alone sometimes and sit with whatever's coming up for you now in that moment I think it's so important you you mentioned the part where people may not be ready for you being yourself finally and showing up for yourself and growing respect for yourself and having integrity, setting boundaries, because it can be a very lonely place to be at the start of this journey. And I know from my client's experience, that can be a huge struggle and in some ways obstacle as well that is almost convincing to them that like okay maybe I shouldn't do this then maybe this is not the right thing to do if I'm losing this person by being xyz how is that beneficial to me right because they don't they see it as a loss they don't see it as a clear sign that that person wasn't respecting them to start with or clearly wasn't meant to be in their life to start with if if they set a boundary and there's a conflict that arises so I'm glad you mentioned that because you're right nobody talks about that but i think we have to normalize that this is normal part of this growth and this personal development journey because it's important that you don't let that stop you from choosing yourself 
It's such a, such a good point. And as Mish said, it's almost like you might start to see changes in behavior in other people. And I think it's in that moment, it's going, okay, what does this mean about them? Rather than putting it onto ourselves. And what does it show me about our past relationship and our past interactions? What is the message here? What is the learning here? Rather than it being, have I done? What's wrong with me? I'm such a horrible person. And kind of going back into that old kind of mindset. That is something I'm going to take away with me today. That's a really, really good point it's really our job to go what is it about them that means that this is not compatible anymore it goes back to like the teachings from the four agreements the the whole not taking things personally like that's how when you stop taking it personally especially how someone reacts and responds to you choosing yourself you, you can just move on freely and i like how you mentioned that it, it's a challenge it's, it's a dark time sometimes but you just kind of have to go for it because who's not for you is okay because you're going to create space for people to come into your life who would accept who you are becoming and I, I think just going back to the personal aspect I, I work on not being not dwelling on it of course you would grieve and mourn a loss of someone in your life but then because we operate or I like to operate from a place of gratitude I would always give thanks for the experience that I've had with someone like I'll be thankful for I don't know if they've been my life for a year the lessons I've learned the time that I've spent with them and I can only give thanks and then continue back okay thank you for being in my life however where I'm going now we won't align we won't connect we've disconnected I'm okay with that I trust that you can be okay with that um there's no hard feelings and I leave the the door a little bit open like I'm here if you need me do you know what I mean like I'm not going to just completely turn my back on you but how we how we operate and our relationship it just it can't go any further than what it is right now and so it is thinking kind of big right now because i feel like gratitude is so so powerful we want to ask you the final question that we have for you today Dee, and it's been such a pleasure by the way <laughs> what do you think the wider impact of the world would be if more women were to reconnect to themselves that makes me smile that question i think the world there would just be more ease flow peace and power I think when more women reconnect to themselves, we're undoing a lot of work because we are now creating a space where generations before us and after us are going to be healing. We're doing so much work um, that people didn't have the power to once do. And everyone will be thankful in our lineage to see that there's a positive female representation. There's someone I now can look up to and not necessarily follow their steps, but take on board their actions to now improve my life. And there'll be more honest and pure forms of love. As women, we will no longer be settling. We'll know our worth. We'll own and embrace our femininity. We'll go after what we deserve unapologetically. Um, you'll know what what and who is worthy of making your heart beat and i think in general it'll just be like a beautiful domino effect as women we'll just be walking in our power reclaiming that power and let's just throw that word out there again and that's very powerful mm -hmm. i literally had goosebumps and <laughs> not because we haven't talked about this before because we had this domino effect this this generational change but it was just the way that you communicated it to you like it was on it I just had like little little shiver down my back and it's it's to the people that really going to make a difference and therefore it's it's almost like this passing on of, of power passing on of energy it's amazing love it thank you so much Dave for being part of this project today we enjoyed it thank you though you have a lot to 
offer because just of who you are. I don't. I'm sure Emma agrees with me. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I, I, I love this way that you said it. And oh, it's just like, yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. It's amazing. So if listeners want to find more about you, where can they go? My initial point of contact is on Instagram. At the D, feel free to give me a follow, connect, send me a DM. They're always open. I'm always welcoming to a woman who wants change, who wants to bring about change, connect, collaborate. Um, TikTok as well. You'll find me on TikTok a little bit more, doing little talks like this. Yeah, it's that do with D on every single well TikTok and Instagram. <laughs> Have a great weekend, ladies, and I'm really thankful for you to hold space for this conversation. It's been great. Thank you for listening. We will see you next week for our next episode. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on Instagram at returning to oneself, where you can receive updates on our next episode release dates, topics, and where you can engage with us too. We would love for you to tag us if you found this episode resonated. Remember you have and always will deserve to return to oneself.